0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Neal the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up.
1: Throws it across. Miller for three. Ow! He backed it in! He backed it in! And the game is tied! We're going to overtime! Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Oh Oh, my God! Double time! Miles Turner. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, my friend. Turner sets the screen. Oh oh, oh, no! no. Don't let him throw it down like that. Victor on the deep Throws it back to Oladipo. Stevenson behind, drives inside, and the foul. Lance Stevenson for a three-point play he just a <laughs>
2: ladies and gentlemen welcome to born ready to pod podcast
3: welcome back to episode 19 of the born ready to pod podcast my name is chris cook and sitting next to me as always jake light eric Hawk. guys today Guest on the episode, Kent Sterling from The Kent Sterling Show on CBS 1430. Guys, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts were on the Kent Sterling interview before we dive into it.
0: I think I'll go first because Hawk wasn't uh, here for it. He was just doing some farming. I was absent, yes. Just, just helping America get some food and nurture us all. So exactly. I appreciate that, Hawk. No but, problem. Uh, Kent was... Uh, over the top for us. He had some outrageous—I shouldn't even say outrageous because I hope they I hope they have him. I but loved his optimism. I loved the optimism. He talked about how many games he thinks the Pacers could win, uh, where they could end up seed-wise for the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, and then we discussed a little bit of the uh, Chicago Cubs. as uh, My beloved Chicago Cubs went down yesterday. Uh, not only yesterday, but the day before as well to the Milwaukee Brewers. And I've just been in a bad mood all day. I didn't get sleep. And Kent, I was feeling my pain and dealt with the same stuff. So Kent was awesome. Loved it. What about you, Cook?
3: Yeah, I loved every minute of it, as you just mentioned, his optimism is you know it just got me excited for the season. Now I'm thinking the Pacers can win like 70 games. Maybe they'll break the Golden State Warriors record just because he's such an optimistic guy. Obviously, he's not that optimistic, but you know I love the optimism. I would have never have thought, and most people we talk to don't think the Pacers are going to win more than 55 games. So it was a it was a fresh take to hear somebody say that because if that happened, obviously we would be stoked.
0: Love it.
2: Well, I got a stat for you. Last year the Pacers were 2-0 against the Golden State Warriors. So really, anything is be,
0: anything is impossible. And I think Kent would really agree, it's hard to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, And that's what we were. I think, I, are we the team, the, the Golden State Warriors spirit?
2: People are asking, and I think, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, yes. Exactly. So we'll dive right into that. Here
3: is our interview with Kent Sterling. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys. Joining us today, host of the Kent Sterling Show on CBS Sports 1430, the man himself, Kent Sterling. Kent, thanks for joining us today.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure. Good to be here,
0: Ken. One of the things I've always enjoyed about your work is that you're a big local sports guy. Uh, obviously, like most local outlets, you cover the Pacers and Colts, but you also spend a lot of time covering college sports, the Fever, and various high school teams. You mentioned uh, Warren Central today, uh, you know, on Twitter and stuff. So, uh, why do you think it's so important to branch out and cover all types of sports in the state?
1: Well, I I go to where stories are, right? And and there are stories everywhere. For every kid who plays a sport, whether he's in high school, college, or she, for that matter, in the pros, they've all got great stories we can learn. I I think that sports is a great template to learn about life and and gather a little bit of wisdom about how to deal with adversity and, and how to answer challenges and how to kind of subvert selfish needs in order to be... You know, generous and and have a uh, uh, ha- have a, a culture of giving. I think sports do that really, really well, and that that's really what I'm kind of interested in. I loved sports as a kid, but I think I loved them because they are illustrative of of kind of the I don't know of humanity, and and I think they give us great window into ourselves.
3: Um, so, yeah, as you just mentioned, you, you spend a lot of time focusing on all these sports, but this is a Pacers podcast, so we obviously want to get your Pacers insight here. Um, so, uh, Media Day, that was here recently in the past couple of weeks. Uh, you were there, and you interviewed several different guys, uh, Thad Young, Tyreek Evans, O'Quinn Turner, and even Kevin Pritchard. Uh, so, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the team after having these conversations and seeing these guys together again at Media Day?
1: That I think that everybody's gathered here, and everybody's come part of this team, whether it's, you know Tyreek or any Doug or uh, uh, O'Quinn or any of these guys. They've come here because they want to be part of something special. That came up again and again and again, and they they want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And I think Kevin Pritchard's done a really good job of putting together a roster of guys who kind of embody that. And Nate's done a really good job of coaching them. And I think word's gotten around. So these guys, they didn't think they were going to necessarily get any of them Mm -hmm. as they met and as they talked to the guys. And then they got phone calls saying, Hey, we're in, we want to be part of this. And, and I think that that's what happens when you put together a culture of, of generosity and giving and Hey, we're here to win. And, and that doesn't exist everywhere in the NBA. These guys are committed to one another. They're committed to the Pacers. And and I think that it's really a neat thing that these guys have put together. And, and it's pivoted so quickly, and I think that that's the interesting thing. Like two years ago, I remember standing at media day talking to uh, Monte. Yeah. And, and Monte Ellis is talking about how, you know, he, he revamped his body and his diet, and his workout regimen, and, and I asked him where he worked out, and he said, I've got a gym in my house. I said, you work out all by yourself? He goes, no, i got a trainer coming over. But I do, yeah, I. he was a really isolated cat. Yeah. He wanted to do nothing more than fish by himself. These guys, these are social guys. They enjoy each other. Basketball's a social game. I, I think that Kevin Pritchard and his staff, Chad, Peter, all those guys ha- have kind of gone... Uh, gone sort of beyond where normal NBA GMs and front offices go to build something that's not only physically special, but then emotionally and psychologically special too. And I think that that's where the secret sauce is for this team.
0: I love it. Uh, The Pacers have been noticed much more heading into this season compared to last year, obviously. So ESPN just had them ranked as the number eight overall team um, in their training camp power rankings, and they have obviously 12 national, nationally televised games this year. So do you think that the extra attention that they are going to be getting this season is justified, or do you still think they have something a little more to prove?
1: I think both. I think they have something to prove, and they know they have something to prove, but I think that the national attention is justified because I think that they win 55 games, and, and I might be being a little bit conservative. I think the East is completely different this year with LeBron James out of the East. People are going to be able to play more traditionally positioned basketball and not just prepare to play against LeBron in the postseason. I think things are going to get really interesting for this team. The upgrades they made on the second unit are substantial. Bringing in Tyreek Evans, Overland Stevenson is huge. Doug McDermott, he is almost a replicant of Boyan McDonovich. And and so they're going to be able to run the same stuff with that second unit that they run with the first unit. They're mm-hmm. going to be able to be almost the same team no matter what unit they run. And I think that that's very cool. And I think that Nate McMillan, talking to him today, I, I get a sense that Nate is really, really happy with where this team is and, and understands that he's got a roster that understands themselves what challenges are ahead and that they're up for him. And and this is a completely different vibe from two years ago, and and substantially different from last year. It, it's kind of like these guys understand where they are, what might await them if they work really, really hard, and they've committed to each other to do exactly that.
0: So I'm kind of going off script here, but um, we just said that you know ESPN had them ranked eight overall. Um, then there was a nba survey that went out amongst you know the gms and whatnot and then they had the pacers as the fifth best team in the conference behind um the bucks who obviously that would mean we don't win our division And then it kind of came out. Zach Lowe did a thing where, like, NBA League pass the teams that are the most fun to watch. He had the Milwaukee Bucks as the eighth best team to watch, and then, like, the Pacers almost all the way to 20. Do you think the Pacers aren't getting as much love as they should simply because they're not as sexy as the other teams? They don't have a Giannis.
1: I I think that's exactly right. You said it perfectly. They don't have a star. This is a star driven league. The media, they understand stars, they don't necessarily understand basketball. This is a team. This Pacers team. They're going to go out there and play basketball. They're not building a brand or building thirteen different brands. They're going out there to ball and and enjoy each other and find a way to win games. And I think as long as they stay, stay healthy, a fifth in the East, I think is the absolute worst that this team could be. Um, uh, in, in fact, I would. I, I know this sounds preposterous, and maybe this is high in the sky. And, way, way optimistic, but I think they are just a shade beneath the Boston Celtics as the favorites in the East. I think this is going to be a hell of a team, and, and well, I, I really think that the second unit is going to be a huge part of that. I, I, I think that this Absolutely. is an interesting group, and, and a group that's young, and they're going to get better. You got Vic, who's going to get better. Domas is going to be much better. Miles Turner's going to be better. And and then you've got some some veterans and guys like Thad Young, who are in uh, in Tyreek Evans, who are going to kind of propel this thing forward, and and understand that you know it, it, Thad's going to make fourteen five this year fourteen million five hundred thousand dollars, and he's going to set himself up for another another contract. The best way for him to do it, the way he's communicated it to his teammates, is the best way for them to get paid. It's for them to win games, because that's what they've been brought here to do, and that's what teams are going to bring them in to do next year, whether or not the Pacers are that team or somebody else. They're going to get paid because they can be counted on as trusted components of a winning franchise.
0: Kent, I love it. I think you're reading my mind, because my next question has to do with those expiring contracts. So um, with this team and the culture that the Pacers have built, you've alluded to it several times already. Um, they built this over the, the last year or so in the locker room. So do you see um, the number of expiring contracts coming up? And obviously, NBA players have egos. That's pretty obvious. But um, do you see that being a distraction uh, this year? Or do you think they figure a way uh, to get around all
1: that? You know what? I think it would have been a problem two years ago. But I don't think it's a problem now. Uh, I, I think that this, this group, this culture is strong enough, led by Victor Oladipo, that they're not going to allow kind of a rogue businessman poison what's in that locker room. I think that this culture is strong enough to withstand that kind of thing. But I think these guys are here for this reason. I mean, some of these guys, like Tyreek, it's a one-year deal. Thad opted to play here, wanted a longer-term deal to stay here. His family likes it here. Um, Corey Joseph opted in on a player option way early, way before he had to. I think guys just want to be here, and they understand that being part of this is going to be a part of their branding, and that that is going to allow them to make more money than they would otherwise. Basketball's a game of a collective, right? You've got to be willing to be part of a collective. If you need to kind of be a diva, basketball might not be the best game for you. There's some guys who can do it, and some guys can't. These guys, I don't think, are talented enough I think, and I think that they know that, that the success of this team and the success of their careers will be determined by their ability to function within a winning organization. And I, I think they've committed to that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think team culture-wise, they're definitely up there, you know, compared to other NBA teams, how their locker rooms are. Um, But I think last year, one of the biggest knocks that you could have on the Pacers, um, obviously they went above everybody's expectations, but one of the biggest knocks was their rebounding numbers. Uh, According to some statistics that are online, they were in the bottom 10 in total rebounds per game. So with Miles Turner, he's entering his fourth season here, and he had Ah, uh, those summer workouts. You know, he was doing the yoga and working out every day, and just trying to improve his body. Um, and then you also have Sabonis, Thad Young, and then bringing in Kylo Quinn. Do you foresee them being more of a physical team down low, and you know, bring pulling down more rebounds this year and improving that number?
1: You know, I think it all depends upon Miles Turner. I, Miles has done a great job addressing his body, getting stronger. He is an impressively built individual this season. But what he's got to get to is his mind and his psychology. And, I, you know, I was talking to Domas Sabonis at the Pacers golf outing a couple of weeks ago. And I said, what's the key to rebounding? And he said, you have to want to go get the ball. And and that's really simple, right? But it's absolutely true. You have to want it more than the other guy. This is a game of points of differentiation. And, And what are you willing to do that your opponent is not willing to do? And that's more about between the ears than it is with your physicality, I think. And Miles Turner has to get to a point where he's willing to do more than his opponent to go get the basketball, or, or things are going to get a little bit dicey for Miles, I think. I Miles, I think he's got about a 50% chance of being an all-star for the Pacers at some point. But the one thing that he's got to do is, is he's got to fight as hard for the basketball and for his team as Domas is going to. Yeah. Because Domas is, is a guy who absolutely gets what it's like to be in a fight. And, and he's going to do what's necessary to win that fight. And Miles, Miles is kind of a well-mannered, good guy, and but he's going to have to shed some of that. And, and I think it's going to be interesting because I, I always use Bill Beer as an example. You could use Rodman, too, and, as you know, kind of crazy people who are absolutely willing to do whatever it takes to go get that basketball and and Miles has got to become one of those guys, and I don't know whether you can. I mean, it may be that you're born that way, or that maybe you can develop it, maybe you can refine it. I'm not sure. Uh, Miles has got a long ways to go to become mean-spirited on the basketball court, and I think that's the key to rebound.
3: Yeah. Um, And speaking about those big guys, Miles and Domas, um, we're obviously envisioning and we hear a lot of things from the coaching staff and, you know, uh, writers and things like that, that they're probably going to be played in lineups together more often this year than they were compared to last year. I'm not sure how many exact minutes they played together last year, but we are expecting both of them to be on the court more frequently this year at the same time. So how do you envision these two guys working out together uh, on the floor at the same time? I think it's going to
1: depend on matchups, right? It's going to depend on the opponents and kind of how they how they manipulate their lineups. And and if the matchups are right, then those two guys are going to be able to be on the floor at the same time. It all depends on what they're able to do defensively. Both guys can step out and shoot it. Uh, Both guys can move the ball really nicely. Domas is a terrific passer. Miles is a good passer. Both guys can handle a little bit. They move well off screens. They set pretty good screens more often than not. It's going to come down to defense and whether the matchups allow those two guys to defend uh, individuals who possess, you know, a, kind of a similar skill set, similar feet, similar length. And uh, it, to me, that's what it's going to come down to. It, it, and, and Nate likes playing matchups. So I, I really think that that's what it's going to be. And what Nate envisioned, like I said earlier, is that without LeBron in the East, teams are going to more traditionally, you know, align themselves with a traditional one, two, three, four, and five, Domas, I think he can play the four. Mm-hmm. Miles can play the five, and uh, as long as teams line up similarly, I, I think those two guys can play again. They like each other a lot. I yeah. mean, they're they're cool with each other, so that isn't going to be a problem. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I think you mentioned the second unit. I think obviously that's going to be what sets the Pacers apart, especially in the playoffs. They're going to have a better second unit than anybody else in the East, and maybe better than anyone in the NBA, in my opinion. But it's safe to say that Tyreek Evans was the biggest Pacer signing this offseason. Uh, we've seen in years past he can play multiple positions. He's played point guard, shooting guard, small forward. He can do about anything you need him to do. So, um, And I think from a talent perspective, he's an upgrade over Lance. I know Lance is beloved, but um, he's definitely an upgrade in the in the second unit for us. So uh, how do you specifically see him filling in that role and even though he's coming off the bench, do you see him as a guy who finishes most games in the lineup?
1: I, I agree with you completely about it being an upgrade over Lance, but I would say this too that signing Tyreek Evans and, and then going out and getting a guy like Doug McDermott and getting a guy like Kylo Quinn, like Doug McDermott is really good moving around screen. Kylo Quinn love setting screens. Doug McDermott can stand on the wing and open up the floor, open up the defense so a guy like Tyreek Evans can either shoot or drive the basketball. I I think that the the genius of putting together that second unit, assuming that O'Quinn is a significant part of it, is that these guys fit really well together, and that Corey as a part of that and Domas as a part of that, they also fit. Uh, To me, it's just This is kind of like high-end basketball edition. You know, it's kind of like they put together um, a basketball calculus uh, of two lineups that just really kind of fit together at at a a unique level, especially offensively. And I think that Tyreek Evans, one thing that he's going to be able to do, if if Victor Oladipo is going to miss eight games like he did last year, last year the Pacers went 0-8 in the games that Vic missed. If Vic misses eight games this year, because of Tyreek Evans being on this team, they're going to lose those eight games. Mm-hmm. And and that, uh, how much help would that have been as the Pacers won 48 last year? And if they don't lose those eight, if they go four and four in those eight that Vic missed, that uh, where they would set themselves as far as a seed in the Eastern Conference would have been affected radically and I think that that's what they've done. This isn't just kind of a uh, kind of kind of an upgrade. This is an enormous upgrade in that that second unit is going to be able to not just function together, but function really, really well together in the same way that you would hope starters would function together. And uh, but the Pacers have uh, what a luxury for a guy like Nate McMillan to have. He can almost go line change, right? Uh, he's not, but you could go five for five. And feel really good about what you were dealing with, depending on the opponent. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. I feel like I bring this up every single time we have an interview. But um, you did just interview Kyle Quinn, and everybody that we talk to is, like, enamored with his personality. Um, yeah. He's a guy I love to watch in New York. He was just a relentless rebounder, and he just play hard. It just seemed like he's in the game. Now, he does pick up fouls, but, I mean, he's a backup. He's a backup big man, so... Um, can you just talk about his personality, maybe just uh, give us a reason why he seems like a natural guy to kind of come in after we had that Lance effect or Lance brought everybody up and now everyone's telling me, hey, Kylo Quinn is that guy. He's not as goofy about it, but he's still that guy, and it was a huge signing for the Pacers. Why is that? You
1: know, there are a couple of things, and and the first thing is the way Kevin Pritchard tells the story of the initial meeting that those guys had. So it's Chad and it's Kevin and it's, it's Kyle Quinn, and they're having dinner, and they pitch Kyle, but they tell him what the deal is and what they want out of him. And when he walked away, Kevin and Chad thought, well, we're not going to get him. And a half an hour later, Kyle O'Quinn called and said, I'm in. I'm good to go. During that meeting, when they asked Kyle about what he really enjoys doing on the basketball court, he said, I love setting great screens. I love getting teammates open so they can hit open shots. I'm really good at setting screens. I like doing it again and again. I like wearing guys down with my screens. And, and you just don't hear that from basketball players yeah. ever. You know, if, if, if you're going to go out and play 25 minutes, you're probably, if you're Kylo Quinn, you're going to set 50 or 60 screens. Mm-hmm. And after setting 50 or 60 screens, and you've got guys running like 12 miles an hour right into your chest, a lot of guys, they blanch. At, at that kind of physicality and, and just don't want to do it anymore. Kylo Quinn thinks by setting screen, he can wear guys down. The thing about his personality, number one, he's got a great sense of humor. So he's going to be a really easy guy. He's going to assimilate really easily into that locker room and, and provide kind of, not comic relief, but he's going to be a good guy and people are going to enjoy him. And, and then he's also a no-nonsense guy who's come here to win. And he believes one of the things uh, that I like about Kyle also is that he played a couple of years with Vic. And so he is, he's very well aware of Vic. He knows uh, how important winning is to Victor Depot. And, and one of the reasons why it became, you know, easy for him to say yes to Kevin and Chad was because Vic called him and sold him on the experience. So, um, you know, he walks in and and people like him, and he's going to kind of fill that role, that Al Jefferson role, I think. Mm-hmm. Kind of a big brother type guy to Ike Anabogu and, uh, and T.J. Leaf and kind of school them up as to how professionals behave and what this team needs out of those guys. I just think it checked a whole bunch of boxes. And, and you're right, he's a great guy to talk to. He's a guy we're going to seek out in the locker room a lot.
3: Um, yeah, so talking about, you know, those guys off the bench, um, we're expecting, uh, you know, Corey Joseph, Tyreek, Sabonis, Doug McDermott, and then the usual starting five. So Nate McMillan actually, I think he said it at media day was... They're planning on going into the season with a nine-man rotation. Um, So about those other guys, you know, that we were just talking about O'Quinn, but also T.J. Leaf, and then, you know, they have those rookies as well, uh, uh, Aaron Holiday and Alizé Johnson. Do you think those guys could potentially have an impact? Obviously, there's, you know, they got guys playing ahead of them, so it's going to be tough unless there's an injury. But do you see maybe these rookies getting some – or these end-of-the-bench guys getting some – significant playing time at any point in the year and helping the Pacers out on it at any point.
1: I think Alize Johnson is a year, two years away. Um, he, he's relentless. He's got a great motor. I was talking to Corey Joseph about Alize Johnson today, and and he just went on and on about the kid's motor, and, and that's a good thing. So you don't have to coach that, and uh, but what you do have to coach is his ability to play the game and and sustain himself on the floor as a player on an NBA team. I would expect that he spends some time in Fort Wayne. I think TJ Leaf is a guy. He's gained about twenty five pounds, and as a result of that, I think he's going to be able to take kind of more physicality on the defensive end. And uh, offensively, he's good to go. He can shoot. He can score. I think turned loose as a four in the NBA. On the offensive end, I think he can average 17 and 9. On the defensive end, somebody's going to average 28 and 15 against yeah. him. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you exactly. You can't keep him out on the floor. At least that was the case last year. you got to figure who he is this year and whether he's kind of taken a step forward as a defender. If he has, then he's, a, you, you know, Bogdanovich being a free agent, you can kind of say, well, you know what, Boyan? It was good. We enjoyed you. But we're not going to sign you for 14 million a year because we've got TJ Leaf. And I think that's the plan. There's a kind of a plan of succession. I think Aaron Holiday physically looks like, plays like, uh, in, uh, is from the same school. To me, he's Darren Collison minus like nine years. That's, that's what Aaron Holiday is. So I, I think that these guys, you know, again, Kevin and, and Ryan Carr and those guys, have kind of developed a plan of succession that gives them a chance to, from within, replace free agents without having to overspend on them and uh, invest in their own, rather than going out and, you know, getting a guy for $18 million a year, five years, and and having the guy bust out. Um, this way they get to maintain their culture and they get to, you know, build from within and I think it's really, really smart, but I think that's who those guys are. And I think Aaron, if Corey goes down at some point or if Darren does, Corey moves up to Darren's spot and Aaron comes in. I think he can play a backup, uh, a backup point guard role this year if injuries kind of prevail on the Pacers and, and they got to do it.
3: Kind of just speaking, we talked about, you know, the expiring contracts earlier. um, And then you kind of just mentioned there some succession plans for in case some of these guys don't resign next offseason. I don't know exactly how many guys we have under contract going into the offseason. I might be getting a little too ahead of myself here. But do you foresee the Pacers being, you know, players in the offseason 2019 offseason they're not going to go out and get you know uh kevin durant but do you foresee them going out there and getting you know one of these solid free agents in you know what's pretty hefty free agent class next year
1: i think that uh kevin is going to give an opportunity to all the nine free agents that the pacers have right now Mm -hmm. to earn extensions and and depending on how that goes they're going to have a lot of money to spend on free agents one way or another, either, you know, on the guys that they currently got that they signed to extensions, or they can go outside the organization and bring guys in. I think what they're trying to build here, they're, they're trying to build a San Antonio Spurs uh, East. I wouldn't be is mad what at that. they're trying to build where people are going to want to come here and they're going to want to play because they're going to have an opportunity to play basketball that's just a little bit different from what other teams in the NBA play. When you yeah. look at a team like the Chicago Bulls with Dar Foreman and John Paxson putting together ill fitting pieces, stacking blocks like Dwayne Wade and Ray John Rondo yeah. and my God, I mean they put they put such an ill fitting roster together a couple of years ago. Who wants to go do that?
0: Mm-hmm. If the
1: Pacers can establish themselves as as a team that's that's focused on culture and that's gonna play the game the right way and give guys an opportunity to succeed in in kind of a collective sense, I think that the Indiana Pacers become a very, very attractive franchise to free agents. And it wouldn't surprise me if some kind of big fish came to Indiana and said, okay, I'm in. Uh, because I think that that's what the Pacers are trying to do. Whether they're going to be successful or not, that's a whole different thing. But they're trying to become something special in the NBA. And that specialness... Is in the culture, and they hope that it's really, really attractive to free agents at all levels. And if, but first, I, I think first dibs go kind of to the internal candidates, and and uh, we'll see. You know, a guy like Thad Young, if he has a terrific year, he's a great guy. His kids love living in uh, Central Indiana, in Indianapolis, and uh, so if if he shows, I think they pay him. Mm-hmm. You know, Boyan Bogdanovich, if he shows, I think they pay him. Darren Collison, same thing. If he shows that that he projects to be good for another two, three years, I think the, I think the Pacers dig deep and, and they find a way to get him his money. I, I I really think that that's what the Pacers are becoming. I think it's very cool. I think it's different, and, and you got to be different to win. Mm-hmm. If you're not different, you're like everybody else, and how are you going to beat teams that are exactly like you. This is going to be different, and I think it's going to be fun.
0: Speaking of the uh, 2019 free agent class, uh, well, this guy's not technically going to be a free agent, but he's got a player option, and it sure seems like he's going to use it. Um, In the last couple weeks, we've seen uh, a big circus going on in Minnesota regarding the Jimmy Butler situation. Yeah. very messy situation. Um, What are your thoughts on how the team – and Jimmy have both handled the situation, and if if Jimmy was traded to a team in the East like the Miami Heat per se, which sounds like they'd be a suitor, how would that impact the Pacers in your opinion?
1: Well, obviously Jimmy Butler is one of the best 15 players in the NBA, but I think he brings drama, and and drama isn't always good. It depends on the organization. This is, uh, with the Pacers, it's going to be a drama-free zone. Nate doesn't want drama, so there isn't going to be drama. Guys are going to be punctual. Guys are going to be well conditioned, and they're not going to have to worry about any of that nonsense noise from the exterior or from this camp or that camp. They did not going to happen. Um, if the if the Heat want to make the sacrifice uh, culturally to bring in a guy like Jimmy Butler, and if they think that he's good enough, if, if that his that his quality of play uh, justifies. The, the kind of uh, investment that they're going to have to make and the kind of sacrifices they're going to have to make culturally, then they'll go ahead and do it. it, it like a, like we talked, it's a league of stars, and Jimmy Butler is kind of a... He's, he's not the brightest star, but he's a star, and, and so he's going to move the needle in ticket sales and in social media presence and all of that stuff. And sometimes with some, with some franchises, it, it comes down to, you know, kind of that footprint mentality and and whether they can win news cycles and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, whether they can win games or not, that's a whole different thing. It, it, like I said, you saw it with the Bulls. You've seen it with the Knicks. You know, the Knicks collect stars rather than put together a team. And, and I think that Jimmy Butler has kind of established himself as a guy who's putting self over teams. So teams that dig that, have at it. I'm glad it's not going to be the Pacers.
0: I love it. And uh, okay, that's all of our NBA questions, but I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't ask you a question or two about my Chicago Cubbies, because I know sure. you took it as hard as I did yesterday. It was like one fifteen. I go in my bed, and I'm just <laughs> staring up at the ceiling like, what am I going to do this October? Like, I don't even know. Like, I'm not used to this. So just, you know, real quick, I don't want to take too much of your time. This is an NBA podcast, but... What the heck, man? Were you as disappointed uh, as I was?
1: I was really disappointed. Uh, my disappointment, though, like it, uh, to me, it was entirely predictable, right? I, I've had season tickets or had them in 15, 16, and 17, and we decided not to renew this past off season because it just felt like there was a malaise either within the organization or within the fan base or maybe within us. It just didn't feel the same anymore. And, and as you watch that team play, like last night in particular, you saw guys like Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, really trying to get emotional and trying to get excited and lift the other guys up with their energy. And it just didn't feel like it was organic and, and from the heart and, and that this team somehow sort of disconnected, either from itself or, or from... You know, a fervent desire to succeed as they've had the last three years. And so that was really disappointing. I was also disappointed that Terrence Gore swung at ball four to lead off the 13th inning when they're down one. I didn't understand that at all. That guy flat out cannot hit. He should have gone to the plate without a bat That's at exactly all. He's not going to bunt. And somehow or another, he decides he's got to wave at a slider blowing away. And, and for strike three, what the hell is he doing? You know, because if he gets on via walk, he's gone. He's probably standing on third before the Cubs make their first out, and he likely scores. But the boob, instead of taking ball four, he swings to the slider low and away. I didn't like Joe Madden pulling Lester after his sixth inning of work Mm -hmm. against the Rockies. I I thought that Lester was a guy who was rolling, looked like a guy who was going to kind of charge that team with some energy. And, and uh, Madden pulled it because the analytics would tell him to. I, I can get worn out with Joe Madden and his adherence to analytics. I think at some point you've got to manage guys rather than numbers. And uh, so, yeah, that's, I, I could, as you could tell, uh, I could go on and on and on and on talking about the Cubs and what happened last night. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell.
0: I, I think the one that got to me the most when I'm sitting there and I tweeted it out as the guy's walking to the plate, the bases are loaded, Jason Hayward's walking to the plate. And I'm thinking, I don't (laughs) care that this is the guy that, he's more likely to put the ball in play, whatever. Give me all the metrics you want. All I know is is that if my life depended on it, if somebody's holding a gun to my head and says, this is the guy that's going to come through for the Cubs, are you choosing Jason Hayward? or Kyle Schwarber. I am choosing Kyle Schwarber every single flippin' time. Do you agree? Yeah, I,
1: I totally agree. Uh, what I really didn't like about it is that they had Schwarber in the on deck circle, and so that guy's preparing himself emotionally to get up there in a high-leverage situation and battle. And then Madden decides, no, I'm going to go with Hayward. And and two things that you got to kind of remember if you're going to evaluate Madden, is that analytically, Kyle Schwarber in high-leverage situations was the worst performer in baseball history (laughs) this past year. But Jason Hayward is the worst performer from a batting average standpoint in postseason history for guys with 100 or more plate appearances. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I thought because Schwarber was out on the on-deck circle, and there's a circle. There's a certain jazz, right? There's a certain juice to Schwarber and the fans in Chicago. Uh, I think that it would have that would have been a really interesting, high-leverage situation for Schwarber to kind of respond to a moment in a way that Hayward, we just haven't seen him do it. So I'm with you 100%. It just would have been more dramatic and fun, and, and my money would have been on Schwarber long before my money was on Hayward, Hayward to come through.
0: Right, and then lastly, going into the offseason, the biggest thing that happened today, in my opinion, other than Theo saying that, hey, Joe's going to be the guy, I noticed he didn't say Chili Davis is going to be the hitting coach, but um, <laughs> um, he did say uh, you know Joe's going to be the guy next year, but that suspension of Addison Russell, you said something today, um, or you tweeted it, I should say, that you basically said, if he's going to be on the Chicago Cubs, I'm not going to regulate anymore. And I, yeah I, and I, I I can't that. be I, I
1: can't support uh, uh, a domestic violence perpetrator mm-hmm. a, as a guy who's going to represent my team I, I just can't do it and I took his acceptance of that 40 game suspension as an admission of guilt and and so mm-hmm. I, I'm just not having it and you know it, it, it not that this matters it doesn't if the guy hit 320 with 38 homers and 126 RBI I'd be saying exactly the same thing. but he, he hit 250, and his OPS, I think, was under seven. He, he played a great defensive shortstop, but he is not a guy who, from a baseball perspective, is going to put you over the top. And tell you the truth, it, it, I wish that back in the day, when the trade was made for Chapman, that they would have sent Russell instead of Glaber Torres. Oh, yeah. But that aside, yeah, I'm not... I'm not. De- if you read the blog by Edison Russell's ex-wife, that kind of details the physical abuse and the terror that he perpetrated upon her. I'm all done with this guy, and, and I'm not having it. You want to you want to support that kind of behavior by paying this guy millions of dollars to play short in Chicago? I'll tell you what. You, you can have it. I'm not going back to Rick. I know
0: it. I know it. And la- I said lastly earlier, but this is the absolute last thing. What do you want to see the Cubs do? Uh, in the offseason, uh, you want him to pick up the Cole Hamels option. Do you want him to go after Bryce Harper, Manny Machado? What is your ideal off season, real quick?
1: I, I, you, you pick up the option on Hamels. I think that's a no-brainer. $20 million for what he provides from uh, a leadership and, and presence on the mound, I, I think, is well worth the $20 million. Bucks. Uh, I'd love to see him go after Manny Machado. I don't know exactly how he fits. Uh, but the guy, you need you need to find an infielder somewhere, and then figure it out. You know, and I don't know exactly how you do that. But Daniel Murphy is likely gone via free agency. So Machado uh, fills a role somehow or another, some way. I want nothing to do with Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper to me is a diva. He's had one great year in 2015, where he was off the charts, magnificent. And then he was okay second half this year. He's been okay in the past. He's been hurt in the past. If you're going to invest the kind of jack that Scott Boris wants teams to invest in in Bryce Harper, and that's probably 10 years, $400 million, you can't do it with a guy you can't count on to uh, be a presence in your lineup every day and be a positive presence. Way too many strikeouts. He's a defensive minus player. He's never gone to a World Series Despite the fact he played behind Steven Strasburg and uh, Max Scherzer, they've had terrific pitching in Washington. And and Bryce Harper has not been a force that put that team over the hump in the World Series. If I'm spending money on a that kind of jack on a guy, I'm spending jack on a guy that's going to put me in the World Series. Love it.
0: Well, now I, I guess I'm going to be thinking about this all night. I'm sure I'll be trying to get some sleep here very soon. So I'm sure I'm sure you're in the same boat. I'm sure you're pretty tired. Probably had the coffee and stuff today. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyways, Kent, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is Kent Sterling, uh, host of the Kent Sterling Show at 3 p.m. on CBS Sports, 1430. Kent, thank you so much. We'd love to have you again sometime.
1: I appreciate it. Had fun, fellas. Thanks. All Thanks right, a thank lot. Thank you,
0: Kent.
3: You know... Ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Uh, Usually it's, you know, how many games will the Pacers win this season? Uh, The truth is, I don't know how many games they're going to win, but if you think you know, you've got to go check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. So that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Right now, MyBookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code READY25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use the promo code READY25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. If you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you can get an extra $25 free play by using our promo code READY25. And It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take that extra cash. Well, thanks again to Kent for joining us on the podcast. Really enjoyed his insight and looking forward to the Pacers season coming up. But here in closing of for the podcast, I'm going to hand it over to Mr. Hawk, and he's going to introduce a new segment here on the podcast.
0: Yeah, we literally have no clue. No clue what, what he's
3: about having, to say. So
0: we are a little
2: nervous cool. Sound the new segment alarm. It's time for a new segment. Do, do,
3: do,
0: do, do.
2: For this segment, we're going to call it Around the Association. We're going to take a deep dive into what's going on in the NBA, and just anything other than Pacers, but we're also going to tie it back to the Pacers a little bit as well. First up, we have Carmelo Anthony apologizing for hitting jump shots in Houston. Did you guys see this? Yes. So he took an 18-footer and he made it, and then he ran down the court apologizing to the bench because it was not a three-pointer. Thoughts on this?
0: I I think he he knows what's good for him now. I mean, he he did, you know he wanted to go to the Houston Rockets. Obviously, the Houston Rockets have figured out that. A three pointer is worth more than a two. Yeah. And Carmelo amazing. Hoping, I know it's crazy. It's just awesome. And uh, Carmelo is got to buy into it. Carmelo's an okay three point shooter, but he's more well known for his one dribble, fifteen footer. Yeah. So I think it's going to be awesome to see how he uh, he reacts to this new uh, yeah. found three-point line that the Houston Rockets well,
3: have been using. Let's for. be honest here. Melo's never seen a shot that, you know, he hasn't wanted. Like, what's the phrase? He hasn't sh- seen a shot that he hasn't liked. Yeah. So yeah. three-pointer, mid-range, it doesn't really matter. Um, but, yeah, you know, the Rockets are, you know, loading guys up on the three-point line, expecting them to take that shot. And I don't think he had a good look there anyway. I've seen the replay. He uh, The defender got over there pretty quick. So that pump fake going mid-range, I think that was a good move on his part.
0: Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Thoughts on season.
2: Carmelo Anthony as a player what do you guys think? Do you like him? Do you hate him? Because I've always hated him. I'm yeah. not a big fan.
0: I'm not a big fan either. Um,
2: he can score, though. I mean, he can
3: score in
0: a bunch of score. different
3: ways. That's I. Th- that's what he does. He's, when, he scores. and.
0: When you look at him, it's just not like, man, this guy oozes athleticism. Yeah. Like It's almost like he has to have a 15-foot shot because he's not super athletic to get to the rim, but at the same time, he doesn't have the jump shot to yeah. be a three-point the guy. The one thing I love like is last
3: year on the Thunder – was every time he went to go get a rebound, he would cuss and say the F word. Or like with the, the interview where he, and this has nothing to do with his playing ability, but he got that water bottle poured on him, and he was like, Ah, mother, fu- mother F of shit. <laughs> and it was on live camera. It was hilarious. I recommend you go watch that if you haven't watched that yet.
2: All right, topic number two on Around the Association. We got Lance ignoring LeBron's high five on the bench. We'll take it West Coast here the, during their first uh, preseason game. Uh, Lance did something stupid he took one of his uh, just apparent shots that he always loves to take missed it completely came to the bench LeBron was trying to give him a high five and it looks like he ignores him when he's sitting on the bench did you guys see this? I did not
0: I, I just I watched it on ESPN at five thirty this morning yeah. after three and a half hours of sleep, and I just thought, you know, Lance still has that Indiana Pacer yep. in him. Like that just proves you, like, he's on the same team as the best player in the world. He's still not just gonna give him that like yeah. that nice little handshake, high five. You gotta earn Lance's respect. Yeah. I mean this is Lance's team. I think we all agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean he doesn't need that pittiness from some guy that calls himself the king. I, yeah. I didn't
3: I didn't see it, but I did see the play where he was in transition and <laughs> He like floated the hand out like you know like he made this like no, he didn't have to make a no look pass. He just did it for <laughs> no reason, and then he just extends his hand. You know it's a good pass, but he he definitely sold it, sold the uh, the move that he did. And he just it, Lance Stevenson's bringing back Showtime to LA yeah, Showtime
2: Lancers. Uh, if Lance is listening, I would just like to tell him to be caught be careful. LeBron's not, not afraid to trade you away in a hearts speed notice, so but just be careful.
0: Guy, he, he has dealt with J.R. Smith. And I think exactly, exactly. Much
2: but of I feel like they were, they were pretty close from what it seemed like. And I, we'll and see. let's just say this, too. The careful. Lakers,
3: I think, have played a couple preseason games here now, and they've been on national TV both times. Preseason games, like, I I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah.
2: They're going to draw the most attention by far. The it's going to get annoying. Another... And
3: I, this brings up another point. I'm going to interrupt you. On Zach Lowe's rankings, I saw his just... Was Whatever ranking. his his ridiculous rankings. <laughs> <laughs> who knows how he comes up with it, but whatever. I think it's just who he wants to watch the most. He yeah, put was, the Lakers as like number six. Yeah. And he put the, the Denver Nuggets. He put the Denver Nuggets up. either ahead of them or right below them. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm
2: like. All right. It doesn't make much sense. To Next me. up and around the association, the Kobe Bryant gif has been debunked. Did you guys see this? <laughs>
0: I wanted to talk about this. I was told we couldn't, so I'm very happy. That okay, so
2: there's a GIF that's always gone around basketball Twitter, and it's just a picture of Kobe Bryant standing, defending Her- uh, it was not Harrison Barnes. Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes taking the ball out, and it looks like from the angle that everyone's always seen that he's throwing it right at his face and Kobe isn't flinching one bit. A new angle came out and debunked this, and it, he's standing to the side of him, and Barnes doesn't even throw the ball at his face. What, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on I Kobe? I thought I
3: saw another angle that showed that it really was in his face. So I've seen both sides of this, and I can't. I'm I'm an in betweener on this. This is like
2: the Zabruder file. I don't think we'll ever know <laughs> the actual Back definitive angle. The left, I yeah, guess. I
3: don't.
0: You know. But anyways, um, I've lived by that gift. Like that is that I never really liked Kobe when he was. But Kobe.
2: I always respected that but gift. Re- yeah, that, <laughs> that gift, gift was cool. Was like
0: you know what? That that is what toughness is. Yeah. Like Matt Barnes, he's trying to fight everybody. And Matt Barnes gives him respect for it, too. So yep. it was just like, my God, this dude is so tough. Matt Barnes throws a freaking basketball near my face. I'm dunking, I'm covering, I'm covering up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kobe's like, hit me. Let's Do you go. think
2: Chris would back away if Barnes threw a ball at his face, faked it? Yeah.
0: Well, Chris would be also like a foot and a half too short. Yeah, yeah so they uh, wouldn't you even have almost have to underhand it towards his face. But.
2: All right, next up around the association, we got the GM survey. Did you guys check out the GM survey?
0: Yes, yeah. one and of the most. We're
2: going to get into that more in our preview show. In the preview show, just want to mention a couple things I thought were funny. <laughs> First off, one GM voted that the steal of the draft was DeAndre Ayton, who went number one overall, which I thought was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and what else do I got here? Uh, last year, Cat picked player you want to build a franchise around. This year, Giannis won it, and Cat didn't even get a vote. So apparently, every,
3: whatever they saw last year, yeah, Kat's I think I saw he was at like thirty nine percent, and then he didn't get a vote this
0: year. Or whatever. He, I mean. Yeah. yeah, does Cat have the gumption to save the Minnesota Timberwolves when he can't even save his relationship from Jimmy Butler? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's my question. I think
3: my most interesting takeaway, and we just watched a video of this before we recorded, was Steven Adams being voted as the toughest, toughest guy, man, yeah. and yeah. he was just pretty much like, well,
0: "Oh, good night, mate. <laughs> do oh, I get
3: a Do I get a bonus? What do I get out of that? Who cares? That sounds like these guys are just bored voting on this stuff, and that's pretty much what it is. These stupid questions. Who cares? Who votes <laughs> on the toughest guy? Like the, some of these things. Well,
2: the GM survey is interesting to me because they. I was not surprised at all. I feel like I could be a GM based on the survey. Like, yeah. They, yeah. All the picks, I was like, yeah, probably. And like all the things that they said, I agreed with. So I feel like I could easily run your organization. Another interesting you thing is it. that
3: you, I think we all would agree that the Golden State Warriors heavily improved this offseason. Yeah. And they went from a 93% from last year of winning the
2: title to an 87.
0: Yeah, but Kyrie's going to be healthy for 15 But kids. the Pacers got Tyreek Evans. That's true. People so. So forget
2: that. All right, last up. This one, I don't even know if anybody cares about this one, but I thought it was hilarious. Uh, the NBA banned Supreme logo things during games, and J.R. Smith just got a Supreme logo tattooed yeah. on his leg, <laughs> which I thought was so petty and funny that I just had to share. And it they the told him that he
3: could not, or that he had to cover it up during games. Yeah,
2: which, but uh, during the time, you knew he was like, oh, they're not going to make me cover it up. That was just his plan to be petty.
0: Like I wish I could be that. Penny. Like yeah. that is the. Penny. I don't even know what Supreme is. I see I people rock. Either.
2: I think it's just expensive clothes. I, I don't know. I just
0: thought they were talking about nachos or something. Yeah. But I mean, literally. I mean, that is the prototypical like penniest thing you can yeah. possibly do. And then I kind of disagree with it too because technically, man, that's a that's a yeah. Or is freedom of speech?
2: Jairus Smith should rise up and just you know take on Adam Silver himself. Yeah.
0: If LeBron was on the team, something would be done about this.
2: And that concludes this week's Around the Association. Thank you very much that was great stuff right there that will be
3: a weekly thing i presume is that what it's going to be it's gotta be i mean i just got
2: so many NBA NBA thoughts i gotta i gotta throw them out there somewhere
3: yeah looking forward to it so that was like you said first edition of many more to come in the nba season um coming next week we have an nba preview and we got a couple great interview more interviews coming up for you hope you guys enjoyed kent sterling here today enjoyed his insight and we will see you guys next week for episode 20 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Can't believe it's been 20 episodes already. I guess we're going to have to do something big to celebrate. And we'll see you guys next week.
0: Boom, baby. Later. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.